Hello, and welcome to this edition of Life's Tough. You can be tougher. Our first podcast was earlier this year. And since we started, we've had a number of inspiring and engaging guests and lots of free-flowing conversation. I'm Dustin Plano, your host. This is a show about life and purpose. It's about the stories we all have. Everyone, when you think about it, has a story. Some stories may sound more riveting than others. That's to be expected. Not every story, after all, is the basis for a blockbuster movie or worth a Grammy Award. When you think about your own story, the most important thing to consider is what you will do with it. Or, to put it another way, what will your legacy be? We're looking forward to another fantastic show today with our special guest, Rudy Perez. Or, as the title of his new memoir calls him, The Latin Hitmaker. Rudy has had a long, majestic career in the music industry. In addition to performing on its own, he has written and produced compositions for seemingly every major artist in the music business. I'm really looking forward to our conversation with Rudy. It's sure to be fascinating. Before we begin, I want to welcome a returning sponsor, the POI Institute. The POI Institute is a private, luxurious, holistic detox center located in gorgeous Cabo San Lucas on Mexico's Baja California Peninsula. POI offers safe, medically-focused Ibogaine detox treatments for individuals suffering from a variety of addictions. Call the POI Institute at 833-POI-CABO. That's 833-POI-CABO. Or check out their website, POIibogaine.com. That's P-O-I-I-B-O-G-A-I-N-E.com. Be sure to tell them that Life's Tough sent you. Rudy Perez is an international songwriter, singer, producer, arranger, entrepreneur, and philanthropist. During the past three decades, Rudy has produced 70 albums and written more than 1,000 songs. A third of those songs, over 300, have been number one hits or among the top 10 on the charts. He has received in excess of 400 awards for gold and platinum albums he has produced. He's also been nominated for 19 Grammy Awards and won the Grammy five times. The list of performers he has worked with is an illustrious who's who of the recording industry. It's a list that includes Beyonce, Julio Iglesias, Christina Aguilera, Natalie Cole, Michael Bolton, Luis Miguel, Jose Feliciano, Cindy Lauper, and many others. Rudy's new memoir, The Latin Hitmaker, came out this summer. The book traces Rudy's improbable life's journey. He spent his childhood in Cuba in the wake of Fidel Castro's communist revolution, then departed with his family aboard one of the last freedom flights to the United States. The airlift brought nearly 250,000 refugees from Cuba to South Florida between 1965 and 1971. Rudy and his family settled in Miami, in a neighborhood marked by poverty, drugs, and crime. He endured consistent bullying at school and eventually joined a gang. His affiliation with the gang led him to a state school for troubled juveniles. Despite these experiences, Rudy emerged from them with new purpose, to create music. He became the lead vocalist and guitarist for a Miami band. And in 1983, he recorded his first Spanish-language album, Rudy. His story career had begun. Rudy became the first Latin record producer to be named Billboard's Hot Latin Tracks Producer of the Year for four consecutive years. Among his other awards, the American Society of Composers, Authors, and Publishers named Rudy its Songwriter of the Year five times. And Billboard magazine in 2010 selected Rudy as Producer of the Decade for having the most number one and top ten hits between 2000 and 2010. In 2012, Rudy partnered with songwriter Desmond Child to establish the Latin Songwriters Hall of Fame in Miami. This past March, Rudy was named Chairman and CEO of the organization. And in 2003... Rudy aligned with the ASCAP, American Society of Composers, Authors and Publishers, Foundation to launch a Rudy Perez Songwriting Scholarship to help aspiring Latino songwriters go to college. Life's tough, you could be tougher like Rudy Perez, who has always found ways to accentuate, perpetuate, and celebrate the appeal of Latin music and culture. Now let's bring on our guest. Great to talk to you, and welcome to Life's Tough, Rudy. 
Thank you so much for having me, Dustin. Wow, what an introduction. I am blessed. Thank you so much. I, I can tell you, based upon what we were able to find, your story is one of purpose. It's the truth. It's honesty. It's you. So, yes. T talking about your impressions of, of the United States, you know, South Florida in particular, after you arrived from Cuba with your family, what was that like back then? Oh, my goodness. You know, we... Um, you know, we had just had a very troubling experience, you know, because we were we actually made it out of Cuba uh, right at the very last freedom flights. And, um, you know, right as we were walking, you know, just keep in mind, I was, you know, eight, nine years old and um, with my sisters and my brother and my my dad, who had just been released from Fidel Castro's jail for six years uh, for being an anti-communist and anti-revolutionary. So and my mom and we're walking towards, you know, uh, this row of military men that were lining right in front of each other, just giving way for us to pass through to get to the uh, stairs to the uh, air, airplane. And, um, you know, just as we were getting close to the plane, a soldier jumps right out, out in front of us and, and stops us and says, you know, you guys are, are, are can go. And he pointed to us, the kids and my dad. But he says, you stay and tell my mom that she couldn't go. Oh, man. So we were devastated. We created such a racket that that, that eventually, a, a, you know, a superior came and said, what are you doing? You know, and, and let my mom go. But I was so sick on that flight from that experience, you know, of, of losing my mom and, and knowing that I could probably not ever see her again. And in, in, in like within a, an instant that it was shocking and then when we got to the united states this great country that gave us so much opportunity and, and, and was able uh, you know to to give me all all these dreams that now i've been blessed with um you know i i got here and and i the the one thing that we were like really impressed was with the abundance we couldn't believe the supermarkets we were like mesmerized you know because yeah. in cuba at that time um, after it was officially Fidel Castro officially said, okay, I'm a communist and this is the way it's going to be from now on, you know, after lying to the people and telling the, the people that he was going to have a great relationship with the United States and, you know, and basically turning to communism, uh, everybody wanted to leave. And my parents were desperate to get me out because in Cuba, by the time you're 12 years old, you're in the military. You know, and, that's how young and, they recruited. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and you're working the fields and you, you know, it's it's a tough situation and there was a rationing. And so when we got to the United States and we saw the abundance and everything, we were like, you know, wow, we, we just went to heaven. This is like the most incredible place. And and, you know, I, I grew up very poor, like you said in, in your introduction. We we uh, the only place my dad could afford to live and, and pay rent uh, was at a part of South Florida that's called Liberty City in Alapata, which is a very tough inner city, uh, you know, neighborhood, predominantly black and Latinos. And um, I grew up there and I went to all those schools. I went to, you know, um, uh, Comstock, that was my, my, my very first school. And then uh, I went to Robert E. Lee. I also went to Jackson High. So, you know, uh, eventually it got so tough for me that uh, eventually I had to quit school at, at the 11th grade Boy, because um, every day was a challenge to go to school. Every day I would wake up uh, and say, you know, uh, if you need to actually defend yourself against somebody that's coming at you, you're going to have to be tough. And, you know, I had to psych myself out just to go to school. Yeah, I, I had that experience at uh, one of my freshman year of high school. Lived in a very tough area. I was afraid Talk to go to. Bullying. I was afraid to be. I was afraid to be bullied. Um, yes. I was afraid of the fights. I wasn't the biggest kid, and I had the. Yes. I had some looks, and I was good with the ladies. And, <laughs> that, well, that, that you know that that was kind of me in a way, but not so much with the ladies. But 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 you know, I was just a kind kid. You know, I was yeah. just trying to to fit in. I didn't know the language. Can you imagine I just can't being imagine. thrown into I the can't. school system in another country with, when you don't know that. how to speak? <laughs> yeah, it, it was very tough. But look, look, Dustin, nothing has been easy for me. You know, this year when I was turning uh, 60 years old, oh, last man, year I turned 60. Look at 60. all you've done. 
well, last year I turned 60. This year I turned 61. But last year when I turned 60, it was a, it was a, it was a, you know, really a, a, a milestone for me. And I, and I, and I, and I, looking back at my career that began when I was 17, you know, I realized how many stories and experiences I, I have that could be inspiring, entertaining, and maybe encouraging to people. And that's one of the main reasons I decided to write the book, because, um, you know, I think uh, I think people enjoy hearing from the creators behind the scenes, you know, all the stories they have to tell. And, and, I, and I'm grateful that Zondervan and, and, and HarperCollins, uh, you know, agreed that my story was one, I guess, that needed to be told. Hey, so It's, um, it's you a know. powerful story. And I look at what you went through and the experience and how you found this way to rise above. I call it the tipping point moment. Um, yes, and absolutely. You, you, what we wrote a fact check is you ended up in a gang. And about my story, my father was in a gang. He was in a group called the Inland Empire uh, in uh, northern San Diego County. How did you mm-hmm. break? How did you break free of that kind of life? How did you get out? Well, you know, I never wanted to be in it. Uh, you know, but you know, they came calling one day, and and, and um, it, it wasn't like you you had an option to turn them down. You know. When whatever, uh, uh, eventually, I was able to that when I when I finally was sent to state school, that was that was an eye opener for me because you know I thought these guys were my friends. You know when you grow up around, you know, delinquents and 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 and, and killings and all kinds of drugs and when you grow up in that situation, you you know it's very scary. For uh, for a young person, especially somebody like me who just was dreaming about making music and, and just wanted to 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 follow my passion for music, that's all I ever wanted to do. But unfortunately, I did, you know I took I made some wrong decisions, uh, and and it, and that landed me in, in you know and I would say in jail. Why not? You know it, it was a even though it was a, a juvenile jail, it still was a jail and. We were locked up, and and um, I I thought these guys that were my brothers in the in the in the gang in the fraternity I thought they were really my dear friends and and I and my family and none of them none of them was a really really shocking realization for me because it wasn't what you I thought. Re- yeah, they never even went to visit me. Never even no, forget about visiting me because it yeah. was out. It was in it was in Okeechobee, Lake Okeechobee, very far from Miami. You know, I was. They didn't even go to my mom's house to ask about me, and that so that gave me a tremendous realization that they were not my friends. And so when I, I promised God, you know, I, I I pray a lot, and I used to I used to pray a lot when I was locked up, and I I said, God, if I get out of this, I promise you, I give you my word that I will never go back to that those ways, and I will just follow my my dream for music. And that, that's what I did. That, that was a great prayer. And so this time in your life, what was the relationship like with your father or your mom? Oh my God, my, I, you know, I was so blessed to be born to to Elsa and and Rudy Perez Senior. They were like the best, the best parents that, you know, my mom. God bless her soul. She was like, when I came, when I finally, you know, got to be about twelve years old, I I asked her, I said, Mom, you know, I really want to buy a guitar and a, and an amplifier, and and she said to me, she said to me, you know. Rudy, how much is the guitar? I said, $400, mom. And she said, okay, and how much is the amplifier? He, she said, I said, 300 And she goes, okay, here's what you're going to do, okay? You're going to go get a job. You're going to save $700. And you are going to go and buy that guitar and that amplifier. Wow. Okay? Because that's, that's going to make you feel so good that you worked for you it. You earned it. You know, Unfortunately, your mom and dad can't afford to give you money because we can barely pay for our roof and, and our food. But listen to me. If you want it, you could do it. Just go get a job. So I joined uh, uh, a, a company that, that, that was making barbed wire out of Bar all wire. things. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and, and I started One point you were behind them. Now, now you're making them, huh? Oh my God! I mean, this was insane. We were making these 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 accordion style, you know, that they were using in jails and and That's crazy. Um, and by the time Dustin I I was able to save enough money 
and actually buy the guitar and the amplifier and I quit that job obviously it was a, it was by the, it was a lo- it was a job that started at like 10 o'clock at night and it went on to like six o'clock in the morning mm. and I was I was with like my uncle and older guys I used to like take my mom's uh you know eye eyeliner for her eyes and and kind of like drew a little thing to look like I had a mustache and I would go and 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 work in this factory with these grown men until I was able to raise that money then I quit the job and I couldn't even play the guitar when I finally bought it because my hands were so cut up you know oh boy but my mom was that kind of a support and and I don't know to this day if she had she could have she probably could have given me money to buy it because she worked very hard she was a seamstress and and she was always in her machine, you know, sewing away. And, and, um, and uh, you know, I, I, but I think she needed to make me tough because she, she knew it wasn't going to be easy for me. And if she gave me everything, I think one of the problems today with, with a lot of parents is that they give the kids too much. So the kids have no drive to go get anything because they you know they have it all. And by the way, that, that advice is for me. I have an eight and six year old and I lived in foster care. So that is the challenge that I face is when do you make them earn it? How do you decide? And I feel in some ways I'm making them take a step back in our evolution. What at least got me here was hard work, yeah. earning it every dollar, every step, every, you know, I don't know, staying up late at night, early in the morning, but doing it, hustling, figuring out a way. Yes. I'm from a father of five children that I have. I can tell you that, that, you know, you have to you have to le- make them learn some work ethic. You know, kids have to learn that you know that that it feels great to to work hard and 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 earn something and buy something yourself. And you know they they appreciate it more. And all my kids, you know, I, I I'm blessed that they've turned out really great kids, and they all have incredible talents. And you know, uh, the, the only advice I always gave them since they were little kids it's like it's like hey i made a wrong decision i took the wrong turn you know um i should have taken always the right turn because you know the the right turn can make you can make so many many wonderful things happen to you in your life and taking the wrong turn and the making the wrong decision could get you in such trouble that even you me as your dad who loves you more than anything in the world I may not be able to get you out of that trouble that you decided to get yourself into. So think of the consequences of of your actions and your uh, and of your decisions above everything. So my kids, that that was embedded into them forever, you know. And when did that happen in your life? What was there an age? Was there an epiphany? When did Rudy grow up? Man, I had to grow up um, so early in my life. I, I grew up. You know, I grew up, uh, I, I think everything that we went through, you know, I grew up from an early age. I, I was working since, since I was like 11 years old with grown men, you know. That's a lot painting. of trauma. That, that is a lot of trauma. For I, I go back to my days, my, my dad and the gang. It's trauma. Yeah. You carry that with you. So back to yeah. when did you grow up? Like when you found a way where others quit, others kill themselves, quite frankly. Others do stupid yeah. things that... You didn't. And I want to know, when did that happen? What was that moment? Was it, were you humbled? What happened to make you say, oh, I see it now. I, see I think, it the, I think I grew, I grew up when I was locked up. That, that whole thing just blew my head. I mean, it, I just could not believe that I was so stupid and have got, I, that I had sidetracked, you know, I always tell my kids, you know, when you're walking towards your 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 success and your and your vision and your passion and you're walking down that road sometimes you're going to have people that are going to maybe slow you down or stop you and 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 detain you for a little bit you know you I tell them you got to be like the horses you know the the race horses that that have the blinders on each side that can't see to the side just focus on the goal and 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 don't stop because sometimes you stop and that person even though they may love you and they may be good people and everything they may slow you down from your path and that really truly slowed me down for sure and and when i got out of that i just said i'm not i'm never going to be this person again i'm always going to do you know 
my my music. I'm going to stick to my my goals in life. I'm going to change all of this. We even had a court order, Dustin, that 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 my picture was on the court order that wow. we couldn't step into the city of Miami Beach. Hmm. And since then, I've had seven keys been given to me by like seven different mayors in the f- almost 40 years that I've been living in Miami Beach. My hands are imprinted next to Tony Bennett, Man. next to the in, on the Fillmore, Jackie Gleason Theater in That's Miami incredible. Beach. I mean, this is this is what this country is all about. You could actually, you know, change your ways and you could actually, you know, just 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 have success. But you just got to focus and 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 work really hard, work really hard. And we believe and I believe that we connect with people on our weaknesses, not our strengths. You know, on Absolutely. The, on this show, we've had some of the most inspiring people, I would say. And now you're on it, too, on the planet. We have uh, Wyclef was on a week and a half ago. Uh, had uh, yeah. the, the head of some major organizations, uh, the founders of Priceline.com, Vander Holyfield. And every time we hear or I hear someone's story, that when did it begin for you? It starts with empathy, that you start to develop empathy for others. And you also That's start right. to hold yourself somewhat accountable of, was this really what I was meant for? And we're in 70 countries, not as many as you've been in, in terms of albums. But who we talk to around the world, my sister, she became a drug addict. Uh, she ended up losing her life. Uh, this mm. uh, on, she, it'll be a Sorry five five years. So, you found a way out. You are now not a follower. You're a leader. You've created so many magical albums, songs that will last forever. Where you are today and where you started. I mean, tell me this journey in the middle. You, you the first time that someone said, "I love it." Oh, that when was the moment that song that that one that just said rudy it, it's and you go oh you see what i see now you hear what i hear well you know i think jose feliciano you know um i i, I always say that i really owe my career and, and and the success i've been able to have to him and when i speak to kids you know in colleges or, or you know or during my mentorship program that i that I get to talk to a lot of young aspiring kids and, you know, I, I, I tell them, look, you guys have it very easy because I even had to, I mean, even the guy that discovered me and saw my talent was blind. So that yeah. right there, that I even had trouble with getting, <laughs> you know, so, so it's, it's, um, it's, it's that moment to me. It's, you know, now that you that I'm that I'm here in this show with you talking to all these, you know, thousands of people around all over the place. They're listening to this. You know, it takes me back to when I was sleeping under the board, uh, under the console. I had a mattress when I was working in, in the studio when I started. And, um, you know, I could have never imagined in a million years that I would be doing a show like this. That people will be calling me the Latin hit maker. That's pretty cool, man. I got it. I only had That's a dream, cool. you know. I just, I just had a dream, and I knew it wasn't going to be easy. Nothing was going to be given to me. I, I was going to have to work very hard for that. And you know, when, but when you have faith, and you realize that God has a plan for you, and He's had an amazing plan for me uh, all along, man. I and I, I pray, and ask Him every day, you know that whatever it is that he has in store for me, let it be to help somebody, let it be to, you know, make somebody's life different, you know, music. Recently I was asked uh, by, by a reporter, uh, why is it a, a, a song? Why, why, why is it, why are songs special? And I go, man, because a song could, you know, prevent somebody from taking their own life. That's how powerful it is. That's exactly right. That could be the difference of that person giving up or having the strength to continue. It's, yeah, it's it's the tipping point. I mean, I went to I went to the uh, to Congress uh, a while back, you know, with a Marvin Hamlish and a and a bunch of big, you know, guys like Cy Coleman. And and we went to fight for the for the for the songwriters rights. You know, I'm a, I'm a big advocate for that. You know, I try to, to stand with the songwriters because I, I really believe they are the unsung heroes. They are the ones that are like the you know, the pillars behind the facade of the skyscrapers. Yep. You see the you see the facade and you see the the exterior beautiful, but you know those pillars 
that are, you know, that are invisible to the eye are the ones that are keeping that skyscraper. Uh, and this is what a songwriter is. It's, it's everything. A song is everything in the music industry. And so I, we went to Congress and we, we were fighting for against the, uh, the, um, the uh, Restaurant Association of America, which at that time didn't want to pay for royalties for music. And I remember Marvin Hamlish saying, you know, um, ladies and gentlemen of the Congress, uh, you know, this bill that they're trying to pass says that music is to block out the kitchen noise and it's only for, uh, for basically incidental purposes. And he said to the, and I was blown away by this. He said, you know, you know, I got to say, honestly, me, Marvin Hamlish, I have never woken up one single day saying I'm going to write an incidental song that's going to block the kitchen noise out yeah. from restaurants. And that's the kind of stuff that I fight for. You know, I, I am now um, so happy that finally the Modernization Act that we have now created uh, with a lot, the help of a lot of people. Uh, including us and, and, and the ASCAP board, uh, we we now are now the Modernization Act. Now is a law of the land, and hopefully now songwriters are, will be able to start getting really, you know, paid for their for their hard work. Sure. So I'm 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 always and I'm o- I'm always fighting for 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 writers for for people that are that are the underdogs you know and because i was that guy you were that i was you know and and you and you asked me this question and 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 the best thing that i can say is that you know to me is you know it's it's so important that people know that nothing came easy for me i just no matter how many times i i was thrown down i got up and i just kept going and i kept going and my faith was very strong. I, I grew up in a in a family where my grandfather was a pastor. My dad was a pastor. You're kidding and me? I, no, no. My wow. dad, my dad, my dad was a pastor, and my, my dad was pen, Pentecostal. My, my stepfather was a pastor. Yeah. Well, you I, see, and my and my I grandfather was a Baptist pastor. So no we. Kidding. So I grew up in church, you know, and and I grew up uh, learning how to play music first in church. Eventually, that led me to private lessons, you know, and then I went into bands. Eventually, that 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 led me to a tour for like four four years with a with a group named Pearly Queen, which was a big group down here in those in those years. And we landed a a tour with the um, Flanagan's Lounges, and we did about ninety clubs around the United States. Wow. And I mean, we were we we uh, and I traveled in a 1963 GMC truck high back with three of us in the back of the truck with all the amplifiers, the PA system, the clothing with the door like halfway open so that we could breathe. And the other three guys in the front, we traveled the whole United States playing and, and staying a month at a time, you know, so that, that made me discover the actual, uh, we had to dissect these songs you know yeah. every time we were a top 40 band so i started listening to the arrangements of these songs and and being in the band you had to learn your part and everybody else too so when the next rehearsal came everybody had to come to the rehearsal with the part figured out so the, dissecting these songs i think was what created the producer in me where i said you know how does this happen? Who thinks of all these parts? Who, who arranges these songs? Who decides where the background vocals see sing and don't sing? And you know where the horns come in. And I realized that all happened in the recording studio. So I quit the band, and I went and I asked for a job in a recording studio, uh, Miami Sound Studios. And basically, I started as a gopher and started as uh, you know um, getting sandwiches for for people you know, and, and learning from the engineers that were there, you know, the, the, some of them were very kind and, and taught me. Some of them didn't want me to bother them. And, but I still learned from from all of them. And at nighttime, I befriended the sons of the owners who were also musicians. So when the studio sometimes was, uh, was, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, closed, I would call 
the owner's uh, sons and they would come and jam and I would record them and practice, you know, placing the microphones and doing all the audio stuff and learning how to align the machines. Back in those days, we had analog machines and and learning how to edit and, and learning how to, you know, the whole routing of, of, of audio and consoles and multi-track machines and and all of that stuff I learned at at at, uh, at this place and eventually i started recording and started recording with these people and eventually when i was there with the guys i would say hey guys i have a song that i wrote do you mind if we try it do and, and so we, and that's how it began that's how it all began man that's and so, jose that's cool. and jose feliciano man I, you know i i um i recorded a song and this is how important decisions are in life. You know, my whole life could have gone totally different if I had just agreed on what was being, you know, offered to me at the time. It turns out that I did these demos and um, the owner of the studio where I was working uh, after Miami Sound Studios was a studio named Climax Recording Studios. And right after that... Um, uh, right after I landed that job, I was doing great as an engineer. Now, you know, everybody wanted to record with me because I, I, I was young and I had the the sound supposedly. Mm -hmm. So um, I started recording my demos. One day, the, the the granddaughter of the owner of the studio heard me mixing one of my demos, and she came in and said, "Oh my God, what is that?" And I said, "Oh, it's a song I wrote." And 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 she goes who's singing? And I said, Oh, it's me. And, and she goes, wow. Has my grandfather, does she, does he know that you write and sing like this? I go, well, I, I, I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> you know, and I had been there for like a year. And so she immediately rushed out and brought back in her, her grandfather and her uncle and everybody. And they heard me and they were blown away and they said, Rudy, look, why don't we do, these instead of these demos let's do it right and maybe we could help you send it to a major label and maybe you could get a, a deal who knows but let, let's do it right let's put an orchestra behind these demos and everything and, and i trusted them i said okay sure so they went ahead and did it and i wasn't involved in the recording they just went and did it without me they just took my demo just with a guitar and a piano and they went and so they called me uh, a few weeks later and they said, oh, I want you to hear the tracks. They're done. I came back and I and I hear these songs and they had nothing to do with me. The arrangements, mm. they were they were fine. They were professionally done, but it just wasn't me. And that that nick of time, that nick of time right there, that instant when I just when I said and I found the courage, even though I was a kid, I was 21 years old. I said, I appreciate you guys so much. I love you and I'm sorry and I will pay this back somehow, some way. Because you didn't, you know, you guys spent this money, but I just can't put my vocal on that track. Wow. That has that has nothing to do with how I feel that song. And they said, "Oh, wow, Rudy." Whoa, whoa. And I said, "Look, guys." And I went to the piano and I sat at the piano and I sung the song for them. And I said. And when they listen to that, they go, oh, wow. And I, and I said, that's 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 what I want to do. Will you allow me to do that? Will you allow me to arrange my own song? And they said, oh, OK. And so we went and I did it. Well, guess what? When when I got signed, when we did finish and sent it out to RCA Records, I was signed instantly mm. by... Unfortunately, Jose Menendez, you may know the name because he was a victim of his own kids, murdered by his own kids, yeah. the, the Menen Menendez, Menendez boys. Yeah. And Jose was the chairman, global chairman of, of uh, RCA Records when I met him. And um, there's a picture of him and I in the, in, in, in the book. And let me tell you, the moment he heard it, he said, I, I'm signing you. So I, I was sent out to do promotion with my first album and I get to Puerto Rico and I was walking out of the elevator and I, and there was a, a beauty shop, like a beauty salon. And, and I see Jose Feliciano, the great Jose Feliciano, who was an incredible inspiration for an inner city kid like me, because uh, I always used to see him on Don Kirshner's rock concert. You're too young to remember this, Dustin, but mm. 
this is these are these are the shows of the time. Yeah, this the biggest, was it. Yeah, midnight special. Those were the shows that dominated mainstream television. And Jose was always on. You know, Jose had the song of the top series on television, Chico and the Man. And Jose, for for a Latino kid like me growing up, was like, oh man, he made it. I have a shot. I can do it. You know, because mm -hmm. he did it. You know. So when I saw him, I I stood there and I said. I got to go meet this guy, you know, and, and, and so I went in and I introduced myself and I said, Jose, I'm your biggest fan. I just want to say hello. My name is Rudy. And, and, and he goes, Rudy, what? And I said, Rudy Perez. He goes, Hey, Rudy, man. Yeah. You're signed to RCA like me. <laughs> and I said, and I said, yeah, well, Jose, I didn't know you knew that. And he goes, yeah, as a matter of fact, I was at Jose Menendez's office in New York and he played me your album. Hey, man, there's a song on your album that I would really like to cut on my next record, man. I really love the song. And I said, what, what song is that? Honor. And he picks up the guitar and he starts like singing my song. And guess what song that was? The one I rejected from those guys and redid myself. No kidding. That, now, that was the one. Now, now you may think maybe if we, I personally don't think he would have paid attention to that song with that other arrangement. And he did with the one that I was sure in my heart that that's what I, where I, what I wanted to do with the song. And sure enough, he said, you you know, you're coming with me, Rudy. I want you. You got any more songs like that? And he made me play him a couple of songs with a guitar. And next thing, he's inviting me to produce his record in L.A. And the first thing that we do, we get nominated for album of the year and, and the American Grammys, uh, the Latin Grammys didn't exist then. And we get nominated for song of the year and album of the that year. That is incredible. The first thing that I do. And so, you know, uh, uh, right after that, that uh, success, I get a call from Julio Iglesias and, and then so and so and so. And, and I've never been able to go back to being a singer songwriter, which is what I always wanted to do. But uh, life and God had another plan for me. So it's a, it's been a, it's been an incredible journey. Wow. Uh, you know, so uh, a little bit about life's tough. It, it is the journey that we're on. Uh, why Clef uh, Jean has made a song for us for the show. Uh, one about mm -hmm. for its foster care awareness. The, the, the name of the song is called Faith. Um, oh, wow. I, I would be honored if and when you have the time, but if you could also make something that we could use here for the show, it, uh, we bring awareness to my background, foster care, what happens to the oh. kids that are, that are left behind. And as they get older, the paths that they have to take and the decisions that you look back on and you wish you did different and the way that you see the world through music is the way I see the world through the, the way people look at the foster care system. Um, wow, in, in man, that's so incredible. We, we would be truly honored if you would do a piece from you, you playing, you singing um, from your heart. To, oh, that to, would be my great honor. Expect it because I will get on it right away. I, I'm going to hold you to it and it will play over a period of we're going to we're actually starting life's tough dot TV. Uh, it'll have a total of 12 episodes and we're going to be talking to the storytellers, the people um that are the influencers out there that talk about their lives and how they did it and how they didn't quit. How'd you be, how, how'd you become an Alaskan when, when it, everyone else leaves because it's too cold, you stay behind or what's it like to be an archeologist and looking at morbidity and mortality every day, being reminded by it. Uh, how yeah. do you find it? So we would be honored if you would create something special for us that we oh, could play. Please. That would be my great honor. And I'm going to do it. Trust me, you, you will get I, it soon. I, I am going to hold you to it, something that is just universal message. So, I mean, to get us digress here, but you're like me. You're, I can feel it, your heart, your passion. And I, one, of, you. one of the questions I had down that Gerald wrote down, what comes first, the words or the music? I, I'm with, gonna, with, what is it, man? Which one is it for you? With me, is always it's always the music first. Always. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I listen on my, um, if you, if you get in my car or you listen, you get on my playlist, you, you, you see that I'm always listening to either jazz or, or classical music, you know, which are part of my formation as a musician. And I listen to a lot of instrumental music. I, I, um, I do love lyrics. I, I, I have written a lot of songs that I've written full lyrics and full, 
But I got to tell you, you know, when you find a great lyricist that like Burt Bacharach found Hal David and, you know, and and you it's it's a wonderful thing to to actually, you know, work with somebody like that, especially somebody like uh, Bernie Toppin and Elton John, you know, Elton's always written the melody. Hmm. Um, uh, one of the things that I wanted to tell you about now that you asked me this question, you know, um, Robert Nolan is uh, an incredible writer. He co-wrote my book, and uh, he's an amazing, an amazing Robert writer. Robert Nolan. And Nolan. He's from Nashville, and the very first call, the, in the, uh, the in the very first phone call when Zondervan, my publisher, uh, you know, uh, said to call, Robert and I, man, connected immediately. From the very first call, we are, you know, about the same age, got married, had our kids in the same, you know, time frame. For many years, he has he was touring as a as a musician, which I didn't know and produced and as a producer, you know, and then before he got into writing books. And so we had a lot in common, him and I. And I told him, look, um, would you like to try to write a song together? And he sent me these lyrics that are just magnificent. And we just wrote a song that's beyond good. So um, it's always a blessing to have when you, you know, sometimes, sometimes God, because I, I, I attribute songwriting to God. It's a gift. It's like being in a room with 30 people and, and, and you're listening to this melody or you have this idea in your head. And you know that nobody else in that room is listening to it. It's only you. That's the kind of stuff that 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 sometimes it's inexplicable how you know you uh, you are used by. I I think it's God, and to funnel that work so that people could actually be touched and lives could be changed. You know, I yeah. I actually I actually love when God just gives me the words and, mu and music together as many times that that has happened to me. But I always, I'm always open to look for a very special lyricist. Um, you know, uh, I recently had the challenge to co-write a song with Burt Bacharach out mm. of all people that is, and you know, who's 90 years old and, 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 and a genius. And uh, to my surprise, he had always wanted to write with me. And he reached out to me through the chairman of uh, Universal and said that, you know, he wanted to write a song with me. So I went out to uh, L.A. to where he lives in, in Malibu and hung out with him for, for three days. And we wrote this wonderful piece called Live to See Another Day. And we did it for, uh, you know, almost like our prayer against uh, uh, gun violence in schools. Um, we, we gave all the proceeds, 100% of all the proceeds of the song go to, um, the, um, Sandy Hook foundation. Wow. That's remarkable, Rudy. You know, cause that really touched me. Those I, little I can't kids even that, imagine I, those, yeah, those families. And, and I would love for you to listen to it when you have a moment, cause it's a beautiful song. I sure will. And, and we used, um, you know, we we talked about bringing in some big stars to to, to record the song. It's beautiful. Hey, I, if we I, could, I, hey, what's the name of the song? I'm gonna have my producer. I don't know if we can pull it up. Uh, what's live to live to see another day, and it's um and it, it's a beautiful video with with these two young girls that that are not famous yet, but one day they will be because they're fantastic singers. So I'm going to ask you, we're going to play this thing. And I want you to tell us that as we, as we hear it, kind of give us the walk us through it, because I think Absolutely. that for our listeners around the world, this is the part they need to hear. Absolutely. This is a, this is a song that, uh, that's very special. You know, it, it, it talks about, you know, why, why people, you know, it's, 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 it's a song that, that, that just touches your heart when you hear it. I just can't even explain it. And I was challenged with writing the lyrics, you know, cause Bird wrote the music. I did do the arrangement and with the Miami symphony orchestra. Yeah. 
We recorded it. Uh, these two girls are wonderful singers. Uh, one is uh, 18 years old now. She was 17 when we recorded it. Her name is Haven Star. And the other one was uh, the, the golden buzzer on America's Got Talent. This little girl who's now 14 by the name of Angie Green, Angelina Green. And she's just fantastic as well. And we, um, you know, I said, Bird, yeah, we could get the John Legends of the world and the great stars. But I think it's more believable when two young girls who are, you know, high school and, and, and teenagers will sing this. And I got to tell you, the girls did a great job. And, and basically the first verse says, you know, why can't we learn to love one another? It's easier to love than hate. Sisters and brothers say we can live to see another day. You know, it's it's a it's a it's a song that just you got to just got to listen to it. Wow. Well, we were able to play it in the background as you were saying those words and mm -hmm. to hear it from your heart, the way you yeah. guys created it and the story that you wanted to tell. You know, when we look at TV and film, that they get the visuals. There are times for you, you're writing something that there may not be visual necessarily, but you've got to create it. You need to yes. create this moment that someone goes, it's beautiful. And is that how Absolutely. it starts with you, that you go, Ah, it's beautiful. And then the next person goes, wow, look what you did. Like, mm -hmm. Is that how it is for you, Rudy? Yeah, that's exactly how it is. I mean, you know, first I think it has to, I, I always have a saying that, that kind of like answers that. And I always believe that if it comes from the heart to the heart, it has to return. And I think that means basically if I, if it came out of my heart and I felt every second of, of, of everything that was going on and I, you know, and it's truly something that I really, truly felt and, and, and did it, you know, not, not for commercial purposes, not for selling or streaming or none of that, yeah. just because I want to touch people. I want, I want that message. When Parkland happened down here in South Florida, And that last shooting happened and, and those 17 people lost their lives, those kids. You know, I was devastated. And, and I told Bert, I said, we have to we have to do something. And, and Bert agreed. You know, we, we just can't believe that kids today have to go to school. Little kids worrying about an active shooter and and, and they're doing drills like for active shooters. That's just, that's just insanity. I have two It's, young kids. It shouldn't happen. That's crazy. So, you know, we really wanted to do our own part to give back and, 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 and just create awareness because people say thoughts and prayers. Yeah, yeah, thoughts and prayer are very important, of course. But, man, we got to stop. We got to stop. We got to do something where our kids are safe in schools. They deserve that. They deserve love, protection, food, a roof over yep. their head. And That's so right. that leads us to your memoir. That takes a lot of courage because trying to find everything about you was very challenging. You're in some ways very private. You'll talk about certain things in certain areas. But to write a memoir, to put it all in one place so that someone doesn't have to dig around at 87 Google sites or a wiki page, to, to actually open up to somebody, to be able to have this thing written, I know because I have one coming out myself, it takes a lot of courage. Um, yes, it, it does. It, telling the world about the things, quite frankly, that gave you depression and gave you sadness in your darkest days. And I can't even imagine what it must have been like for a young man to have mm -hmm. been to have a judge say you're being sentenced to. And then you think yeah. eh, this is no big deal. And then you're around a bunch of older kids and that fear. And yet my dad went to prison for 16 years. And I look at wow. what you've done and what can't compare yourself to others, but what others have done different. And you said earlier that you had a choice to make. You had a choice to where you wanted to be. You knew what you were good at. You knew yeah. what you could be great at and you gave it all you had. How have you remained so focused when you've done so many great things? How do you create the next when you've already been at the top? Man, I just I just take it one day at a time, Dustin. I really do. I I I just pray, you know, I just pray every morning and I and I thank God for everything. I always start my prayers with gratefulness in my heart and 
because um, I'm, I'm grateful every day to be able to, you know, my goal is just basically to influence people to do good and do the right thing. I, I think there's a lot of hatred. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world that, uh, well that, that just that, that makes me very sad. And so all I can do is pray. You know, it's out of my hands a lot of it. You know, I just want to let young people know that 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 I could have gone in the wrong direction many times, man. You know, but if you, like I said before, you know, if you do go in the right direction, so many just wonderful things can happen. And you know, I can speak. As in my own experience as an immigrant, you know, that, that I, I I was blessed and I do know firsthand, you know, the journey that my family, you know, went through to come to this country and how grateful I am to have, basically have had the opportunity to become successful in the greatest country in the world. That That is something that I, I truly feel it was a blessing in my life that I was not you know, um, left back in Cuba and grown up to, you know, become like a, a communist. And, you know, just, uh, I, I would have been, I would have been, it would have been, I probably, I wouldn't have ever, ever known music in that, in that situation. You know, I probably would have been in the military who, who knows what my life would have turned out, but my parents sacrificed, they went through, Everything you know, they never got to see their parents again when they went for bringing us here to liberty, and so great things came to me. And I always say, by the grace of God, you know, uh, uh, to me, it's always been about, you know, my my journey has been difficult, but man, I've been able to touch so many people. I've been so blessed. You know, in my my inspiration, uh, you know, my story has has always been overcoming adversity which if you think about it it's it's been my journey so the next big thing to me is just as simple as like hey dear god i'm open and receptive for it send it to me and whatever it is that i can contribute along the way to inspire and 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 motivate people and and hopefully you know change pop culture in a way because uh, at the end of the day all of us artists you know, first of all, everything from everything that comes from art, everything that happens with art in every field of art comes from pain, which is really incredible. You know, it's uh, it's it's and, and, and I don't know if I would have lived another life where I would have been always saved and, you know, taken care of my whole entire life and I would have never had to go through this journey. I don't know if I would have written the same kind of music that I've written and. Because that, I think, what's made what made me strong and made me, you know, want to want want to just clarity, clarity and love. And I was just searching for love, love, and I just wanted to give love, that, no matter how how much that, adversity I had in front of me. You know, that is so incredibly well said. And I look at the memoir that you were willing to dig in, open up wounds, relive, yep. go back to those hardest moments. Um, yep. And I look at the same journey for myself. When you open up those old wounds, it can kind of ooze out, and you didn't realize, ah, oh, I'm still still holding on to that. Um, yeah, but yet, absolutely. Yet through it all with your life, now how you'll be remembered. How do you remember the toughest person in your life? Who was that person? The one person that got you through it all, or maybe the one person you didn't want to let down? Who was the toughest person Rudy Perez uh, hmm. has ever known? I, I think my mom. My mom. And my dad too, you know, my dad was just very, you know, my dad, my mom was very affectionate, loving. She, her and I, we had incredible relationship. She died in my arms, you know, she, she was just a, the most wonderful lady and she, but she was very tough, you know, and she knew she had to make me tough because we didn't have it so peachy and rosy, you know, and in the hood, you know, we, she knew that in order for me to be tough and, I had to have a thick skin. So a lot of the times she would make me go through a, a lot of things, but it was teachings. My dad, all, my dad was military. My dad uh, became a 33 degree Mason. Then he, when my mom passed away, he, he at an older age went and studied theology and got his master's degree, you know, four years of studying, became a pastor and, and, you know, uh, and then he started opening up more, but you know, I don't remember my dad, uh, 
for for my early part of my life uh, uh, being very affectionate or, or saying I love you or you know I say it every time I see one of my kids no matter yeah. if I see them 20 times a day I give them a hug and I, a kiss, I, I love that <laughs> that's me and my, my and by the way my daughter's name is Elsa mm -hmm. so, oh wow yes you know the old joke right why don't you give Elsa a balloon yeah because she'll let it go <laughs> as, the, uh, as the other one goes uh, so your mom sound uh, she, she sounded awesome and exactly what Rudy Perez needed uh, yeah, to make to make it through. Yeah, she really helped me make it through a lot of a lot of a, a lot of crazy stuff that happened in my life. She was tough, you know. When I showed up and said, "Hey, mom, I got a girl pregnant," and and you know, uh, I, I'm not going to marry her. I'm not going to go through that. I, I'm just not. It's not happening. She said to me, "What are you saying now?" You got a girl pregnant? Oh, boy. Oh, no, 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 no. Wait a minute. <laughs> Let me tell you something. You have no mother, okay? You have no mother if you don't go and marry that girl. You, I will not have a grandchild out in the world without your last name, and, and it's just not going to happen. So I ended up going back and, you know, marrying the girl, you know, that that that, that we had just, you know, met and we and and we had a beautiful daughter who is the love of my life my daughter jennifer jennifer she's she's now an editor-in-chief of a big you know miami herald magazine and i'm so proud of her you know she that's quite she's remarkable. just such a she's just such a sweetheart and, and I, it was like a baby having a baby you know i was 19 you know when she was born and um and you know challenges man you know uh that when she was born i went through so much because you know i i it was i was young i was i didn't really want to have a commitment i didn't even know what a commitment was to tell you the truth i didn't know responsibilities like that you know mm -hmm. i knew how to take care of myself on my own and i was with a band and i met the girl in la and but all of a sudden here i am with a child and and married and and, and so i it was it was all it was never it's life changing uh, now it's real it was never it was never vivian's fault you know jenny's mom it was always my fault because of my insecurity but it took so much that when i finally left uh, vivian jenny's mom and and we decided to to divorce uh I started praying that uh, that uh, the kind of woman that I wanted God to send me for my life. And I'm happy to say that this past June 9th, Betsy, my the love of my life, my dear wife, for 36 years, we just That's celebrated incredible. our anniversary uh, on the 9th of June. And, um, you know, when and I and this is to tell you about a great story is, you know, when my son, Chris, um, you know, came to to the world right before when she, Betsy got first got pregnant with Chris I was so um completely shocked because it happened like a year after I separated with from Jenny's mom so you know what I did Dustin that it's not one of my proudest moments but I'm glad that God immediately woke me up and and said hey you know I talked my wife my my girlfriend then uh Betsy to have an abortion and I got to tell you, it was it was something that that uh, uh, it was the hardest thing because she Betsy was 19 years old. And, you know, I was just hung up with all the stuff that I had just gone through. And and so she paid the consequences. And I told her, look, we can't have this baby. We're, we're getting an abortion. So we went to a clinic and we get to this clinic and the clinic is full of girls. I, I had never seen something like that. There was like you know, maybe 20 girls in the waiting room, you know, and, and we went in and, and, and they gave Betsy a, a form to, to sign and, and fill out. And, and so I said, Hey, I'm going to go outside. I'll be right back. And I went to the car at the time. I unfortunately smoked cigarettes and I went out to the car and sat in my car and turned on the radio and started smoking a cigarette. And as I was sitting there, Dustin did the whole car disappeared my body disappeared I, I knew i was still inside inside this light hmm. this this light that in my 61 years of life i have never seen a light like this in in the in the world ever and the light kept saying to me please don't do this please don't do this you heard it and 
And when I came to, I ran inside as quickly as I could. And Betsy was being walked into the, you know, to the uh, room. And I picked her. I just grabbed her by the arm and I said, listen, honey, I am so sorry that I ever talked to you into this. We're going to have this baby and God has a plan for this baby. And, and, you know, and I don't know what, but we're just going to pray. And, you know, all the girls started clapping and, you know, I, it was like a movie scene. I, we walked out and, and, you know, we just, we just put our faith. We didn't even get a test for what our child was going to be, you know, uh, if it was going to, uh, and, and, and we just wanted a boy. We really wanted a boy. We wanted him to look like his mom. We wanted him to be blonde hair and blue eyes. And, you know, my son was born and he was blonde hair and blue eyes and a genius, you know, a, 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 a tremendous gift to, to, um, he was recently named by variety magazine, the, um, one of the three best albums of 2018 in the United States. Uh, his name is Chris Price, and he's just a terrific, terrific musician, amazing human being. And, 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 and this is how powerful God is and how powerful, you know, he is and how, how, how everything that I, that, that happened to me from that moment on when my son Chris was born, Everything started opening up for me. Opportunities started coming. Things started happening. I, I was, you know, having records of the year and all the big stars wanted to work with me. So I think I think it was a gift that God sent me. And I and, and, and I almost threw that away. Hmm. I almost threw that away because of just being fearful. Because I think fear is something that keeps most of us from doing amazing things and, and just doing such remarkable things, you know, the fear of wow, what if, or that advice was for me, by the way. So thank you. I I can't thank you enough. You, you literally are like, you're talking to me right now. Oh man. I appreciate that because you know, if I can change one life with what I'm saying, if I can just touch one person, man, that to me is like the most important thing in the world. Well, the song that you will create for us, for us to use exclusively for us. I want it to be called My Life because that's the words I just wrote down that has to be your song, My Absolutely. Life. Absolutely. And this will be in our documentary. It'll be at a film festival and the world will hear it, that My Man, Life is your song. I will definitely write my life and you know what? It's it's my great honor. That would be that would be incredible. So as we always do, and the reason I asked you the question, we always end each episode. And this one, by the way, we've done I'm looking at my team, I don't know, thirty some, I've lost count, fifty, sixty. I've never given somebody this what I'm gonna say to you. You have both honesty and integrity. And Thank that you is so something much. that I've heard a lot of stories. I've got my own baggage. You are honest, you have integrity. You have been with your wife for that long in an industry where it's impossible. You've done impossible things. A Cuban boy was not supposed to be here. You weren't supposed to be at the top. You weren't supposed to create the Latin Songwriters Hall of Fame. You weren't supposed to, yet you did it. And so life's tough because Elsa Perez was tougher. Um, uh, thank you for sharing with us Elsa's story because she made you. And Thank uh, you so much, Dustin. I'm honored to be in your circle, and I'm honored to be in your family. So that wraps up our show for today. Thanks again to Rudy Perez for making this another outstanding episode of our Life's Tough podcast. And thanks to you, our amazing audience, for making the Life's Tough podcast one of the most relevant, engaging, and fastest-growing shows around. Also, special thanks to my dear friend, Gerald Levin, Life's Tough, Chief Writer, and my Sherpa, and to my friend, John Miller, of the Alston Carlisle Studio here in Baltimore, Maryland. You already know life is tough, and running your own business is tougher. You need a financial planner who's tougher. Carl Grund is a financial planner who helps small business owners navigate the market and grow their business through financial strategies. Give Carl a call at 703 287-7128. That's 703-287-7128. Or send an email to cgrund 
at sfpfinancial.com. That's Seagrund at sfpfinancial.com to learn how Carl can help you get tough on business. Securities and advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associates, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. The stories we all hear are as varied as the people who tell them. It's impossible to discount the impact of any one singular experience. Instead, I ask you to use your story to empower others. Your story may be just what it takes to help somebody in your circle or perhaps in our community to get through a tipping point moment, an instance in which that person either chooses to continue to be a victim or when that person finds the strength to transcend a particular situation. Please subscribe to our show, visit lifestuff.com and be sure to join us every week for a new stimulating hour of heartfelt discussion. Tell your friends about us too. Remember, everyone has a story and every story has a purpose. Life's tough, you can be tougher. Thanks for listening and be a part of our community. Now, for the entire Life's Tough team, this is Dustin Planholt signing off. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you.